People go away and then they think they're different to the people who stayed. You've got such a chip on your shoulder against anyone that ever left. If you hurt yourself again, it could result in permanent damage. Did you get checked up? They said it's fine. You're not focused, Keen. You're all over the shop. You can't play football. It's not the end of the world. I can't even look after my own farm anymore. Take the rest of the day off. Go on. You know, it knocks some sense into you. The full shift stops here, lad. I'm being patient with you, but you're running the road here. Where are we at law school? Do you know that? This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. The sooner we started making them more personal, that's when it kind of clicked in for us. Yeah. And just writing kind of from that raw kind of emotional place, it's when it started to kind of connect a little bit more. So I think I would definitely just kind of say don't feel like your story is too small or, you know, you're from a small town and you need to have this. Mm. You know, a lot of the biggest films are the most successful and films around their uh, small stories like that. So I would just say, yeah, I would go back and say, yeah, you can do, you're, you're all right to double down on that. Like, Hello and welcome to another episode of FNI Rap chat um just before i get to introducing our wonderful guests let's just give a, a little reminder that the ackle island international film festival is taking place from the 11th to the 13th of may um so if you are heading west or if you're based in the west and heading along to the festival there is going to be a social organized uh, from 7 p.m on the 11th um and that's going to be organised by uh, Paul and the guys. They have been very kindly given a um, camper van <laughs> for the weekend. So uh, it'll be emblazoned with uh, logos. Uh, so they should be easy easy to spot. Um, so yeah, check out uh, We Are FNI forward slash Ackle and you'll get all the details. So 7pm on May 11th. Um, and a big shout, shout out to ramblingrover.ie um, camper vans for, for uh, <laughs> supporting us and giving us the loan of uh, the camper van for the weekend. Um, and check out the Ackle Island Film Festival website. Uh, loads of great stuff happening. And uh, if you want to know a bit more about the festival, go back a couple of episodes to the episode with Emily um to get a, a bit more of a background on it. Uh so yeah, go back to I think one or two episodes. So let's get to today's guests, uh Robert Higgins and Patrick McGivney. Um it's brilliant to have the guys in the studio. I have been a big fan of their work for the last few years. Um they've been making really, really cool shorts um and really uh Smart filmmakers, yeah. Just uh, from the get go, I've been very impressed by what they've pulled together um, and how how they work. And then it was just a real special moment to be at the Galway Film Fla last summer uh, for the premiere of the film. And there's such a buzz about it. Absolutely packed house. All the the cast were there. It was a, it was a special moment to see it and I'd heard I'd known about this project uh, for a long time um, 
through its production and all that. So it was a really special moment to to see it and it's such a successful film. The GAA is such a big part of our psyche in Ireland, but weirdly it hasn't really been represented that well in film. So finally, I think people from that world have a film that that does it justice and uh, shows the the intricacies and the the relationships that get wrapped up around GAA and how you know people's psyches are are so interlocked with this uh, phenomenon. Um, and it's just a brilliant character study. I think I think it's you know it's no secret that Anna Hardwick is going is someone to watch, uh, but these guys really know how to cast and they have put amazing talent on screen in this film. So it's 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 brilliant to hear how they approach this film and you know on a very meager budget how they pulled it out all together and just yeah two nicer lads you couldn't meet. So let's go to the episode. Okay, we are in the studio with Robert Higgins and Paddy McGivney. How are you doing, guys? Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great to have you. I would say this is one I've been looking forward to, to uh, for a good while um, since I saw the film at the premiere in Galway. Um, so I might just bring you back there. Like I, I remember kind of watching from afar uh, the buzz and just the, the whole weekend for you. Just like what a what a moment. That must have been so. Maybe if you can go back to a few months ago, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was amazing. It was a bit uh, overwhelming at the time. I think uh, most of our experience before that had been online. You know, at our last short, it was completely uh, during the pandemic, so we were completely online. So we we're in the deep end there at Galway, blister and sun uh, for the weekend down there, and it was amazing. We had the whole cast down and everything, and Town Hall Theatre was. Uh, it was daunting, but it was uh, it went really well. Like it was great, and we had a good cohort of Granard people there. Uh, you know, so you had that that safety net there anyway. Sure. At least, like, yeah, yeah, must have been surreal. Yeah, it was completely surreal because obviously, like, we made the film um, on a on a micro budget. We made it in our hometown. It's a very kind of specific and local story, and and to to get in front of a, an audience and to have them react positively was just completely surreal. Myself and Robert have gotten a small bit better at Q&As, thankfully, because <laughs> we were just like deer in headlights on that stage. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience and it was it was like the hottest day of the year as well. And like it just felt like everything was kind of aligning and it was just one of those days that, you know, happened once um, and yeah, live in the memory. Yeah. Oh, you didn't come across like tears in the headlight at all just <laughs> the excitement of it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the first uh, time I came across you guys was um, at the Mullingar Film Festival yes. I think. Mm. yeah so I think literally just before the pandemic so you had a short um, Angels Gardy yeah. I was really impressed by it um, so we might just go back a little bit and I, maybe I don't know 
how far you want to go back, but um, kind of up through the shorts, and then we'll kind of mm. finally get to to Lakelands. But I suppose the f- starting out point, like what was the first kind of cinematic moment that you had, or the first realization that you wanted to make films? Yeah, so like I think myself and Robert, um, obviously have taken a, a slightly um, different path um, into the film industry. We both worked in. Um, in corporate jobs um, for, for a number of years. I was working in financial consulting, Rob was working in, in PR, and it was one of those things where like you'd meet on a night out, and I'm sorry, just to, to backtrack ever so slightly, Robert's um, a seasoned writer and um, has wrote multiple short stories, and he brought that experience to the table, and I think, you know, it probably started out in, in, in the smoking area of, of multiple pubs where you have an idea and you have the possibility of potentially making something together but um yeah i think it was just it was one weekend where we were like we just got together with a couple of friends and we said look let's write direct produce make a short film all in 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 the same day pretty much and it was it was terrible it was it was woeful mostly because we were acting in it um but i think what that did for us it it gave us the confidence in the areas we were good at or we, we felt we were good at and, and, and we realised the areas we, we needed to bring in some some genuine talent and, and that was in every area outside of <laughs> maybe directing and writing. Um, so, but it's weird. It's There's these little moments and from the outside looking in, they're innocuous, irrelevant. It's just a couple of guys off, off a main road in a bog with a camera. But for us, we felt this burst of energy and enthusiasm towards the craft and that was the starting point and myself and Rob went away and, and we just started writing um, a short that we felt we could make um, in our hometown and, and you know obviously looking around at what we had available to us and that script was Angels Gardee and you know that was again that gave us so much confidence and, and it gave us an opportunity to work with really talented cast and work with our DOP, Simon Crow, and um, yeah, that's just, again, like you, you fall forward in, in the shorts game, and, and that was definitely a situation where we were like, we didn't know what we didn't know going in, and we came out of it knowing what we didn't know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that probably teed us up for drifting. So I let Rob... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on drifting, yeah, I suppose we kind of figured out the kind of basics on Angels Guard D, and... We were kind of looking to build on them then, and yeah. um, we were we were kind of keen then on the writing to, I suppose we really were wanting to write something personal with drifting, mm-hmm. and you know it's set in our hometown town of Granard. We always thought it kind of had interest in uh, cinematic appeal when we were drinking in whatever the down by the lake or whatever. We always thought this would kind of look good on, on film, mm, and um, so we we kind of wrote a script around that kind of about kind of a lot of the issues you know like a big theme of that is emigration I suppose which mm-hmm. is kind of you know we're kind of just came of age kind of after that kind of recession I suppose and finished college a couple of years later and all that so that was a big part of our friendship group so we wanted to kind of mm-hmm. write about that and um, yeah so we kind of got a script we were quite quite passionate about with that and we were lucky to. Um, to attract some really, really strong talent for that. Yeah. Um, so I might backtrack a little bit because I, I really want to get into the casting thing because you guys seem to have such a, a knack for that. And I suppose with Angel Guard, Angels Gardee, it was more, it was an older cast and they were kind of stalwart actors. So like, how was that? That must have been one a little bit 
daunting, but that that kind of sets you up then for future kind of, you know, how, how to kind of work with actors and then kind of going into drifting. Was that more of a conscious thing that you wanted to do something a bit more personal, a bit more your own age kind of and experience kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, big time. Like, I think we were really lucky with the cast on um, Angels Guard D. We had um, Brian Fortune and John Quinn, who have been on, like, a lot of things. And they're both very generous with us on our, uh, when we were feeling around on that first one. And, like, it gave us a lot of confidence going forward after we kind of we kind of got a hang of things a little bit better. But um, with drifting, I suppose, yeah, I suppose the first one, we, you know, you kind of, sometimes with, when you're making films, you think you got to, you tackle, like, the very big, topics and like that and we kind of just we're thinking more let's just get it as personal as possible and kind of it was just kind of what was starting to speak to us more and more as we were writing and we kind of felt the midlands hadn't really been depicted particularly uh, that much and like a lot of the time it wasn't kind of you know acrotire experiences and stuff like that so yeah. we kind of had that uh that want to kind of depict kind of mm. Longford and kind of our hometown and its its uniqueness and its eccentricities yeah. at times and yeah. all the rest, yeah. You have the kind of essential characters that's uh, and that's something that you follow through with uh, from drifting into Lakelands. Like I, I feel like I know a lot of those characters, especially this this kind of young man or this kind of trouble not trouble, but there's a kind of charismatic, but maybe not fully happy <laughs> young man yeah, yeah. and where you know how how real is that character to you guys yeah like it's definitely something we've seen over and over again i guess yeah. and i think anyone that's kind of coming from a small town you, there are these kind of archetypes or certain type of characters that you see around every kind of small town and there's always this kind of small town community dynamic that is universal in a sense and it's not even just universal in the Irish context I think if you know if you head over to America and head over to a small town over there you'd you'd meet the same you know types of people and um for us I suppose we were as Rob said there when when we started to write drifting and, and we started to realize this is something that's kind of speaking to us we started to realize that there was an opportunity in that and there was an opportunity to depict these characters who have a universal appeal you know um, and we felt that spring back the cast and we felt that there was an opportunity here for a young energetic and talented cast to depict these characters and this that might be something that they'd be you know interested in and, and also see the opportunity in um, so I think you know when writing drifting and, and when, when seeing you know the opportunity to depict that world it was it was very much from a place of this is unique to us but there's big opportunity here and and we looked around and we didn't really feel like anyone else was doing it and we were like why not the boys from Longford (laughs) (laughs) and um you guys would have cast Paul Mescal just before normal people was released I suppose was it yeah yeah just before um I think it was yeah pretty much the last day of normal people like fair play to him I think he flew in from from Italy to Granard, you know, so it's no a way. fair adjustment for. <laughs> it was but, uh, definitely, and like when when uh, when he first came on board, he was he was filming in uh, in Trinity, so like we got we got like a a small inside peek into that production, and yeah. like we were kind of in awe of the scale of it, you know, and you could tell that it was going to be amazing, like right. obviously the success of the novel and Lenny and like and him of course and and you just knew it had all the ingredients but like no one knew it was going to be 
what it was, you know. But um, yeah, to have him kind of come into um, our little kind of set and um, to bring the energy he brought, and it was a world he knew. He played Gaelic football, um, so I think that appealed to him. Um, and I think we needed someone who knew that world um, to kind of do it justice, and he definitely did. But yeah, he it, it's. It, Things have changed for him since. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah. Um, and he had, so da- Daffod Flynn was in the short and yeah. he made a kind of, it is kind of a similar character. Like, or you know, how much were you kind of collecting data as to what works and what doesn't work with drifting and then bringing that into Lakelands? Yeah, I think it was uh, thematically, particularly, that's where we were kind of, feeling out what people were kind of connecting with and I think a lot of the visual language that we used in Lakelands we were definitely collecting that throughout drifting I think we were also growing like we were getting kind of um you know our perspective was changing from when we made drifting to Lakelands like we were kind of hitting our 30s then in Lakelands and stuff so we were kind of looking to make a more kind of considered kind of meditative piece with Lakelands Mm -hmm. so that in that influenced it as well, but we kind of still wanted to look at, um, you know, a similar characters a little bit further down the line in that, and we actually found that kind of to be an early, even more interesting thing, particularly in, like, worlds with, like, GAA, where identity can be sometimes wrapped up in, like, uh, a career with a finite time on it, you know, and there's that kind of interesting point where you begin to look at your life away from that, and that was a big, big thing we started to kind of hone in on in the making of uh, Lakelands. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, so I suppose getting into the nitty gritty of like, you're you've a bit of money, but not a whole lot of money. Um, so just the the practicalities of actually funding this film, I think people would be surprised at, like when they see it of how low the budget actually was. So how you got the money that you did get together and then how you made the most of that kind of going into production. Yeah, like I think when it came to Lakelands and the opportunity to to make a GA film we were definitely like this is something we can speak to with with a with a sincerity and those 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 opportunity there but also I think on the flip side there w- we have access to a GA team and we have access to a farm and we have access to a small town and we can get these things um free of charge you know pretty much and call in a few favors basically and and so there was it was the meeting of opportunity and practicality um, and we got fantastic support from Longford and we've we've had fantastic support from from Longford from from the jump you know the backstage theater um, Longford arts office creative um Ireland Longford um, all these organizations have supported us from from the jump and um they they rode in behind us on this and once we got a little bit of money um it gave us a little bit of confidence to reach out the cast and to maybe portray a, a more um, evolved financial situation than there was, let's say, to, <laughs> to, to use um, the politician's language. Um, because when we were speaking to them initially, we didn't have all the money, basically. Um, but we knew that there was a really good chance that we'd, we'd be able to get, we'd, we'd find it somewhere, you know? And I think that's a massive element of indie filmmaking like you 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 jump out of plane and you, you you know you pull the shoot on the way down and you trust that everything will be okay and um and screen ireland came in with like uh, completion funding which okay. was 
hugely uh, beneficial and needed. <laughs> and yeah. needed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, Wildcard also came um, right. in early as well, so okay. that was uh, that was great. And like yeah. just community support as well was yeah. um, different. And few grants and stuff and it really helped us kind of and we have our own company we have uh, we have production company heart media so like we were able to finance it in part through that so it was really pieced together through multiple different sources and and i think one of the most creative parts of the whole process was the the financial element (laughs) that was a a, its own education yeah in in it yeah um i was doing which i'm sure many listeners know the screen ireland um advanced producers program yeah which is amazing if anyone is a producer should definitely consider doing it. John McDonald is um, is incredible he's yeah. such a huge help on this film but I guess we were looking at the financing of traditional films and we kind of were like looking at exploring doing that in a in a micro way you know rather yeah. than you know you know making it for the tent of what the, the act, what the usual one is but piecing it together in a similar yeah. fashion you know that was kind of our yeah our, our thesis for it yeah. and, uh, and we probably just felt a sense of urgency around this story and I think yeah. you know I was still playing GA. We were still relatively young, and we were like, we just need to tell this now when we can still, I suppose, have access to the football team. And we still, yeah. we were still, you know, I think being relatively young and 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 depicting that world when you still know it, you know, yeah. um, you know, closely, I think is was important for us. I think yeah. that gave us the 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 motivation to just push on, and yeah. even if we don't have the perfect budget we can we can get it across the line and we'll figure it out along the way yeah i I love the confidence of it it's kind of this is your at that time it's your story to tell you know and it would change um as you get older it would kind of could become someone else's (laughs) story to Mm. tell i suppose for sure yeah for sure um so i'd love to kind of yeah i kind of touched on a little bit but like these films kind of live and die on the casting like so when when you kind of, when things started falling into place like how how like how did you kind of go about that and like actually like again on a low budget and you've got an incredible cast and th- these are not amateurs like these are like some of the cream of the crop of irish acting like so how did you <laughs> actually <laughs> how, how how did you get that all to come together like yeah, I guess it was kind of a gradual, um, a gradual process. We had relationships with some of the, the actors from before, um, Lorcan Cranch and David Flynn, who are amazing, had been in our previous work. So it was good to have that personal relationship. I think it always helps a little bit when you're coming with a mad idea like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, like, um, like Ainan and Danny, uh, Ainan Hardwick and Danielle Galligan, um there we'd been massive fans of them for ages and we talked about wanting them in in different things for ages um and i guess yeah we were just kind of hoping that the script and the like potential of it's you know it's very dramatic and kind of meaty roles and stuff we're hoping that that might might appeal to them you know they're both very successful and they're on like major netflix shows and all the rest but um you know i think there's especially when you're writing something very from from the heart and it's a drama piece it can really appeal to actors as well and uh, so we were kind of reached out to them um early enough on and um they were both quite quite they were both interested right away mm-hmm. and we kind of met up with them and we got on like a house of fire with both of them and um that was yeah that was such a major part of the whole 
creative process for us. Sure, and it's, yeah, I think when you're making something that's like quite personal to you, I think having a personal relationship with the cast and like getting on at that level is like hugely important and was hugely important for us. And, and I think as soon as we met both of them and we met both of them um, over Zoom, we just hit it off and we were like, okay, yeah. these are the these are the kids we're going to war with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and then just the supporting cast was like we were... The whole way through, we were pinching ourselves with the quality of people we were getting the opportunity to collaborate with because, like, we'd made two shorts, we were, you know, unknown, and then for them to read the script, relate to it, um, and to put their trust in us to to do it justice and to to do them justice was uh, um, an incredible vote of confidence that we didn't take lightly, and that kind of just spurred us on and gave the whole production this momentum. Um, that got us up to the shoe and right the way through the shoe, you know. Amazing, and I think on the night uh, <laughs> of the uh, screening in Galway, you mentioned like your mother's lasagnas and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for all right, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, Lorcan fell in love with my mum's soda bread, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like like it was shot in part in my my mum and dad's house and right. That became unit base for for the seventeen days, and Rob's mum and family kind of rode in, and and they were like dishing out dinners, and dishing out dinners. Yeah. Your mum was basically head of transport, I think, was <laughs> right. her official title because yeah, she had yeah. a fleet of cars ferrying everyone around. And yeah, my dad was like, he was it was it was shot on on our farm, so like he was wearing multiple hats as well for sure. But what that did was it just gave it gave to set this kind of homely feel and like people just felt that okay look the lads are like opening up their world to us and um it it it, it gave the the story a, you know a, an extra level of kind of sincerity or, or that and yeah. um i don't know having having soda bread homemade soda bread every morning helps i guess <laughs> <laughs> you know there at the start of a cold day in november yeah like, like yeah. we yeah. that was one thing we heard starting out we were like just feed your cast well just, yeah. just keep them fed well yeah. um, so we, we we took that to heart and I, I put my mum to work <laughs> <laughs> and it just yeah because it made me think of like you know something that always comes up it's kind of filmmaking 101 when people are starting out and you don't have that many resources but your community is the resource like and you know maybe talk about how you can feed into that but like you know I guess there's a there's a there's a quid pro quo there of you know how how do you bring bring a community along with you yeah yeah i think like for us like we're i suppose from a town where there's never been like filmmaking so this circus rocket in was a cause of excitement right um so it was quite um but like i think that's you know applicable to many towns you know because it's it's something fun you know yeah. it's not it's yeah. not the usual day to day you know there's a big cameras everywhere and you know it's just a bit of excitement like and we kind of got such buy-in from from the get-go with it but like it's i think it's such a for people starting out it's such a like a tool to like get incredible production value yeah um you know out of your town like we always talk about granardus like it's nearly it's its own film set you know because it's just you've got everything you can write about anything within the small Irish town and I think that's applicable to many towns across the world really so I think it's it's such a tool for young filmmakers to look at and 
so much of what your you know your town it, it might seem humdrum to you but it's 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 really unique when when shown to others and it's all every place has got its own kind of unique rituals and routines and things are set it apart we definitely found that with ours now that we're kind of traveling with the film a little bit more we're definitely seeing both people picking up on its uniqueness and also seeing the parallels in their own town so it's just such a great tool like i think anyone starting out be really remiss not to make the most yeah yeah and like i love the look of the film like it's so obvious that you know, you guys grew up there thinking about this all the time and uh, probably Longford, it's it's one of these places probably people don't think of it of associated with beauty, you know, it's but, but you guys showed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're wrong, obviously. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, wow, like, you know, these plate like these vistas that you have in, in the film and it's like, there's a real intimacy there. I, I know these kind of places from where I grew up, but like, there's a there's a uniqueness that only people from <laughs> from that place yeah, would know, yeah, you know, yeah. and that you fed that in. So I suppose, like, you know, growing up there, obviously you're thinking of that. But how else? How did you design the look of the film in kind of addition to that? And and like, are you watching? Like, are you guys sending each other stuff all the time? And you know, what what kind of, what kind of stuff are you watching in preparation for making a film like this? Yeah. yeah, like I think we definitely um, we definitely watched a lot of movies in, in, in preparation for it and I think we definitely had a really solid kind of reference base um, and I think the films that we used as references were films that depicted rural life in across the world but depicted rural life with a uniqueness and authenticity and kind of opened up a small little window into a very unique and specific world that felt universal um, and I think God's Own Country was definitely one the writer was another and um, they're so specific but uh, they're so specific in their representation but I think the teams that they deal with are, 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 are very relatable no matter kind of where you come from and I think you know God's Own Country in particular was a film that it's it, for us as, as, as guys that come from a very rural part of the world we were like that feels so authentic that feel, that's what it's like you know um, and it gave films like that gave us a confidence to really kind of you know double down on where we come from um, because we we're like you know everything they have we have you know and but we've got our own unique twist on it and we were very conscious that the Midlands hasn't been depicted you know that much um, if ever kind of cinematically um, so there was definitely opportunity within that and I think when it came to um, the shoot we shot it it was obviously 17 days it was it was gung-ho like you know we had a fight with our AD because we had a 16 day shoot plan and she was like you need you know four or five extra days and we're like we'll give you one <laughs> the budget can stretch for another one so right. but we 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 were we shot it in such a way that if there was going to be a really nice kind of morning light or sunset magic hour we were fluid enough that we could we were mobile enough and that's one of the key things about having a small crew and 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 uh and a small cast like you can you can move quickly and we were able to kind of capitalize on really nice light and 
when you're in the country filmmaking in November in Ireland, like if you're catching good light, you like you, if you're inside and there's a beautiful sunset, you better be able to get out there and, and capture it because that's the kind of that's the kind of production value that really kind of elevates it and, and gives it that cinematic feel which you want. You want it to feel um cinematic and um I think just knowing the different spots around town that me and Rob probably we used to go drinking or smoking or messing uh, in cars as teenagers like they also work as film sets and yeah. I think we were yeah. researching for this as you said there we were researching for this film from an early age unbeknownst <laughs> to us yeah 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 um, w- one of the things with low budget films I always fear you know is like in a way it's easier to to shoot the film and to like to actually get it in the can but the hardest part or I always find is is the editing process and the post production in ter- in terms of like funding it because there's a tendency to kind of mm-hmm. you know how how many films have been shot and are still sitting waiting to be edited you know um, features included so I just wanted to hear about kind of this strategy and how you managed to avoid that hell <laughs> yeah. yeah yes so um, we were fortunate enough to Screen Ireland came in with the completion funding mm. which was. Um, yeah, most welcome. As right, I said. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. might have been a, bit, a later release date had uh, that, 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 that not come in. Right. Okay. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were so lucky then. We had um, Alan Quigley, um, who's an amazing editor and filmmaker. But uh, yeah, it was great. We were just editing his gaff like okay. for a couple of months, and right, it's great just hanging out, <laughs> yeah, chatting with him every day and kind of going through it and. He was a great man to challenge you as well, and uh, it, it was a it was a favorite of his to uh, snip a little scene and bring us in the next day and and uh, run it through and see if we noticed, and then he'd be like, right, that's gone, that needs to go, yeah. you know, okay, make okay. the argument. Because yeah. yeah. it's good to get that challenge uh, when you get so attached to uh, yeah. attached yeah. to your uh, creations, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you need someone like that. He's going to be conscious of, uh, you know, yeah, bring you in with yeah. pacing and all the rest. And there's the thing like. It's like no, that shot took us ages yeah. to get, or we we missed lunch to get that shot, or whatever. So you need someone yeah. who wasn't there, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, no, there was definitely a bit of that for sure. Like there was some, but there was scenes that we felt looked like visually they were just like we were like um, the most happy with, and um, but then you have to step back and be like the pacing is what's important, and like keeping keeping the characters on the road and keeping the audience engaged and. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, he, he it was traumatic at times because you'd come in and you'd know Alan would have a look in his eye and you'd be like, oh, it's not good, man. I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna have to cut a finger off here. But um, he's he's just such a talented editor that he just elevates the work, you know, and because it's just a load of scenes and he's the one that kind of helps kind of bring it to life in a way. And he he just made that process process so seamless and. Um, you were just hanging out in his his apartment for three or four weeks eating sandwiches, editing the film. It was, right. it was yeah. the best job I ever had. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Aaron Carroll and, and um, Dave Hughes and everyone at Windmill were incredible. You know, yeah, they uh, they took us in uh, with uh, they were very generous with uh, their support, mm. and uh, you know. James Latimer with the sound like it which was a real and Dahi with his incredible score and um, it was a real like team effort pulled together you know and For everyone sure, was yeah. quite passionate about the, the project so 
made it all a bit easier, yeah, because it can be a yeah. tricky process, you know, yeah. getting over that. Especially we had a tight finish line trying to get to, to go all the way, so yeah, yeah. everyone really pulled together for it. Yeah. So now you've you've had that, you've had your primary, you've done kind of your festival run, so what is, how, how can people see the film? Yeah. Um, so it'll be out in May 5th um, in most a lot of cinemas across Ireland and a few cinemas in the UK. Um, so that's kind of the, there'll hopefully be kind of more news on the international thing in the, in the coming yeah. coming weeks and months. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the cinema release is kind of what we're gearing up for now on yeah. May yeah. 5th. So heading into the... You're probably so used to just like working like dogs, getting your own f- shorts out. It must be nice to have at wildcard on and you know having their expertise to kind of guide you through this as well for sure yeah because like it's the first time we've ever been at this part of the process and like to have that as you said there like that level of expertise coming in and um just a safe pair of hands and and you know patrick and jill and that whole team have been amazing and um even for us at the very start like to get distribution was such a massive goal of ours and like to to get them on board at an early stage just gave the project a, a, a level of legitimacy i suppose that was uh, extremely welcome and yeah look they've been they've been amazing and yeah we're on the slow ramp up now try, uh, just trying to get i suppose get the word out about it and um yeah looking forward to just getting it released and and, and to just getting feedback from small towns and <laughs> ga players yeah. around the country and, and hopefully yeah. Yeah, it resonates yeah uh, I think you've you've nailed it. Like, there's so many writers and, and directors have this like, oh, I have this GA drama in my back pocket, but it never, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it never seems to materialize. You guys did it, and you did it amazingly, and I think it's gonna touch so many people. It's gonna really connect. So, I, I hats off to you. You, you smashed it. Um, going forward, what kind of stories are you kind of interested in and? How do you see the next year? Like, how do you kind of capitalize on the success that you have now? Yeah, so we've got, got a new feature that we're developing with Screen Ireland at the moment, uh, Bonfires, that I suppose is kind of uh, an expansion of the small small town Ireland um, teams, kind of painting with a bigger palette and hopefully a bigger budget. All going <laughs> if, if, it, uh, if it lands. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, kind of the one we've probably earmarked potentially for the next, but it kind of feels a bit like we're starting a new creative cycle in certain ways now mm. when we're kind of writing a couple of, we've another kind of two or three scripts in various stages of development now um, and a couple of TV projects and stuff that were kind of looking to kind of keep the, the central kind of emotional themes, but kind of expand a little bit beyond mm. um Granard Longford. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not with the next one, the next one. Not very, no, very Longford. Got yeah. more to say on it. For okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and um, it's a question we kind of always ask, you know, this business is hard. Like, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of down days and, um, you know, you're facing rejection or, or things, you know, people are pulling out or things are not working. Like, how do you guys kind of get through the harder parts yeah um it's a good question because there are lots of tough days um but there's highs and lows and like the highs are really high and then the lows are really low and like 
Um, I suppose when we came from our office jobs, you know, we were kind of attracted by that and the uncertainty of it and the excitement of it. Um, so we kind of knew what we were signing up for in a way. Um, yeah. But I think having come from that world, you know, you definitely have an appreciation for having the opportunity to work on stuff you genuinely are passionate about and like we've never taken that for granted that day like even the hard days where you're like doing a ball of admin and it's just it's it's killing you you're like you know I've signed up for this and like I'm doing this so that I can be on set at some point in the near future and I think the main thing is just having a, a team and like we're blessed to have you know each other in that sense and to to, to have a childhood a childhood friend who's as mad as you and, and wants to do the same, <laughs> you know, crazy projects as you do and um, being able to lean on each other for support when you were having a crap day or, you know, and, and I think that's that's the key thing and just someone to, um, I suppose, buy into your madness and you buy into theirs and it kind of improves it both ways, I think, because you can, you can share the highs and it's kind of more fun and the lows are less crushing after you've vented on the phone for two hours, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having someone to vent to is, is, yeah. is, is, is hugely important. Yeah. Because a problem can seem so, like, massive, but then if you just, like, just, you know, rant off to each other for a while or just go to the pub or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you end up laughing at it. You end up yeah. laughing at the problem and then you're reminded of all the times you felt like this and, you yeah. know, how you got over them and it's not that big of a deal and, you know, who needs to be paid to do? <laughs> <laughs> that'll come, that'll come. <laughs> uh, was there anything, any lesson that you learned along the way of making this film that, you know, if you could go back to your younger selves just before you started making like go just here here's a little thing you need to keep in mind yeah um i think for us it was probably sooner we started making them more personal that's when it kind of clicked in for us yeah and just writing kind of from that raw kind of emotional place it's when it started to kind of connect a little bit more so i think i would definitely just kind of say don't feel like your story's too small or, you know, you're from a small town and you need to have this. Mm. You know, a lot of the biggest films are the most successful and films around their uh, small stories like that. So I would just say, yeah, I would go back and say, yeah, you can, do, you're, you're all right to double down on that. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. And I think maybe just lean into your naivety a little bit and like inexperience don't be daunted by it it can be a strength in a way because like as I think I might have said earlier but like we on our shorts we didn't know what we didn't know and like it was a similar experience on the the feature but as long as you surround yourself with like quality people and you can figure it out on the spot and like that's such a huge part of filmmaking like you plan and prep like like mad but like things are going to arise that you couldn't envision, envisage and I think just having people around you to lean on and to have people who are more qualified than you and <laughs> are are better than you is always helpful um, and if you're yeah I think that would be it that would be my advice to myself well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time uh, sincerely it was, it was a great chat um, and uh, I wish you all the best we'll be encouraging everyone to go see this film and share it so well done again thanks, thanks so much for having us great 
Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamalus, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network.